your show's rubbish. Yeah, I could do it like that. I don't yeah, know. I'll do it like that. Okay. Ooh, welcome to the D Trout Spinners. Um, special episode today. I'll just well, let's get the formalities out of the way. I'm Gary. This is Miles. Miles likes Hello. to name, so it's Miles Pennell. But we have just we've actually just done it, recorded an interview with Laurie Peters. And some of you might know the name from Pilkopedia, he's listed, he's kind of He's an animator, a designer, an illustrator, an artist, but he's basically a childhood friend of Carl Pilkington. He was friends, they were friends since secondary school. They're still friends today. And yeah, so we, we interviewed him. We asked him all sorts of stuff about Carl and growing up and the stories from Carl's past, how Carl is today. It was it was a fascinating interview, Miles, wasn't it? It was just really, it's a pleasure to do. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I actually have to take a moment to calm down because I'm actually a little bit too excited. Um, I, I need to like go for a long walk or sit by a fire or something. I don't know. Or cry. <laughs> but I, I listen, um, Detroutees, I hope you all enjoy this episode because we certainly did. And I look forward to yeah, hearing what what you think of the episode. Yeah, here it is, here is Laurie Peters. Today, Miles, we have a very special guest with us. He is a talented artist, designer, animator illustrator and most importantly for our podcast childhood friend and still friends to this day with Carl Pilkington he is Laurie Peters Laurie thanks for sitting down and doing this for us much appreciated yeah, no problems. No problems. I just want to take you back to the very beginning really like how it all began when did you first meet Carl where was it and how old were you and did you hit it off straight away as friends so I come from the area where Carl's from. So it's the northwest of, northwest of England um, mm. in a place in Greater Manchester. And, um, yeah, I think maybe the first time I met him was when we had a paper round together. Um, <laughs> OK. Uh, yeah. So that was probably the first time I met him. And um, I think he may have shown me where to get free cakes from because there was a place nearby where if you oh. climbed over a wall or if you got on the bit <laughs> yeah so i think you might have told me about that but um he used to get there very early earlier than me most of the times so i just could be asked but um he used to get there early so he could get home and watch uh, uh cartoons like pink panther and stuff like that and i just i just used to say to them i just can't be asked meeting you at 6 a.m in the morning it's just ridiculous <laughs> so um yeah he's always been one for getting up early and um and cracking on um he's still a bit like that now but then um school yeah we went to school to you know we sat in the same classes um it's primary school or secondary no school? this was secondary school a school called okay. ashton on mersey and um, we sat together on most classes. You know, we'd annoy each other, throw stuff at each other, fight. Yeah, at break times we'd fight. It would either be me and him fighting. And, and I think we had another mate as well that, that 
that used to help beat up Carl. <laughs> or it used to be the other way around. Carl would be beating me up with our mate. And, um, and it would just alternate like that every break time. <laughs> so it's a bit like stupid. I remember Ricky asked me about that. And um, he wanted some insight. And I told him that. And um, he said, Carl never seemed to have a problem when he would wrestle him to the ground naked. <laughs> Which uh, was a bit weird. Um, That's Ricky. So yeah. So then after school, you know, he never really completed school. Um, He just wanted to do radio. I I went off uh, to art college, and um, you know, we met up a bit later in the nineties. Then two thousand and four, I think we met again, and that's when we started working together. And um, yeah, there's a load of stuff that happened around that time up until now. Yeah, interesting. So you've known him for, say, well, I don't want really to give you age, but yeah, so 30. 35? Yeah, 35. Has he, has he kind of, is he the same kind of Carl you knew back then? Has he changed much as a person since being a child? No, not really. He's still got the same level of intelligence (laughs) no he's he's still the same pretty much you know he's a bit smarter i wouldn't say he's got more intelligent i'd say he's definitely smarter i mean he's learned by a lot of his mistakes and you know even going back to the bakery thing he ate too many cakes and even now he talks about it like if we play a game of golf too much you will say you can't have too much of a good thing and i'm like what are you on about he goes you know cakes and that and and you know and he's, he's just harping back the stuff yeah. he's learned and um does apply him today which is quite sweet i guess but um, that's that's nice that he kind of talks about those because he talks about um having too many cakes on the podcast and right. uh he says the doctor told his mum that he was going to die but he, he she was he was just messing around but it's not <laughs> he kind of actually he doesn't just tell them on the on the show for the sake of it he kind of they are genuinely prominent things in his mind yeah, absolutely. And I mean, his mum, I didn't have too much of a relationship with his dad. His dad was quite sharp and quite to the point and quite strict. And he didn't take any messing about. I mean, you know, it's quite short with me on occasions. But his mum's mm. very nice. Um, I remember his dad walking down his house and his, his, his old man pulled up in his taxi. And I said, it's Carlin, just a young child. And he goes, I don't bloody know. Knock on the door. Carl's dad sounds like an absolute character from the stories that he says uh, in the XFM shows. You know, like once he slapped Carl for not liking a castle. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think, yeah, he was quite strict. And I I wouldn't be surprised by that. I mean, I know that he worries a bit more these days as they get older and he calls him nearly every day, I think, and yeah. checks up on them. I think his, it was funny, his mum, the other week, um, it's quite funny, he's, he rang him up and she was a bit ill. And, um, you know, he asked more questions about why she was ill and it's down to the fact that she'd frozen a KFC. <laughs> so it's, you don't freeze KFCs, mum, or um, dad picking mushrooms on the golf course and then eating them and saying there was a weird blue glow when he was um, heating them up in the oven so you know he does worry about them <laughs> that's, that's, life, that's life up north that's life up north yeah. for you 
what was it like growing up with him like in in like Manchester because obviously on the shows and this is a podcast about the XFM show he tells some absolutely incredible anecdotes of of life growing up and you know like you said how much he remembers it's it's, it's crazy he's got this exceptional yeah. you know memory and, and imagination as well how much of that was true like the stories about you know horse in the house <laughs> I don't know yeah. how I remember that house yeah are you aware of the xfm shows laurie yeah yeah so you have listened to them so you know his anecdotes i just wanted to check that so yeah a few of them a few of them i've listened to um i do know about the horse i think it was an irish family there were a couple of doors down and i do remember that horse knocking about the house yeah (laughs) knocking about um, and also like i just remember the smell around there because carl lived on an estate called the racecourse estate and my estate was opposite my estate was like a posh estate, if you like. It was a more newer estate, where the mm. race course is kind of rough. But everyone liked Carl, do you know what I mean? So he was never in trouble. I, I would always feel very bit wary about walking onto his estate to knock for him because it was kind of like badlands. I just always remember it smelling shit because <laughs> not because it was a bad estate, but because there was a there's a horse. There, <laughs> there was a horse. And there was a sewage <laughs> plant about half a mile across oh, the road that. from his house. And yeah. it just, every summer, it just reeked. Oh. And, and, and all the characters that he talks about were probably true. I mean, there was some mental people on that. I don't know if you can say that anymore, but there was some pretty mad characters. Yeah, his kids there. chase cars, apparently. Kids yeah. chase I mean, I there was um, a funeral on that estate on the pub next to his house a few months back. And it was a friend of hours from school oh. and um they had the they had the is it the wake where they or the reception thing where they go to a pub afterwards and eat and drink well this is how mad it is on that estate before everyone had piled into the pub to eat the food the kids from the estate had left school knew there was a funeral on, so he walked into the pub and just ate all the food and left <laughs> free so, funeral food everyone got there. so, so everyone you had the free food. you had the free cakes that's your dessert go to the funeral wait for your main course that's like the 2020 version of um climbing over a wall and getting free cakes is going to the funeral of someone you yeah don't this is it they knew where to go for this food and there was and then he just ransacked the buffet and uh they all got there. I'm like, what are these kids doing? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there was a lot of, um, you know, there was a lot of people on the estate that we knew and a lot of them become quite well known in the industry or they went on to do quite, you know, great things. I mean, there was an athlete, I think, that Carl used to knock about with. I forget oh, his name. Darren, um... Darren, Darren Campbell, yeah. Darren Campbell. Used, to, used to see him around and there was a few other heads that we knew. That really did all right. He's come Carl, to London, I guess, to take yeah. a risk. You've all you've all moved away, but from that sort of, as you call it, a rough area. Yours area was slightly less rough. Carl was yeah. sort of famously told on the show he'd never be a high flyer at school. So I can't imagine the school was that good at, at pushing sort of children to their limits and yeah but you've got all these high achievers including you and carl and dan campbell and all these people so what do you think was it about that place that i'm not sure the curriculum i'm not sure if there was such a thing as a curriculum back there where they had to follow a number of steps and tick a number of boxes i really don't i think they were just 
they're near there to teach algebra to a bunch of kids and mm. they had a go at it and if it didn't work out you know I don't think we were it was an odd school really I'm not sure why we didn't get the information we were supposed to get but it was a long time ago and it's somehow a little bit blurry in my mind uh, Carl says once in one of his anecdotes, one of the teachers had a bunch of catalogues for Thompson yeah. and he had to scroll out the, the date and write the, the newer date because they, they, no, all, put, they put think stickers on with the newer date. Yeah, because they might be getting like a free holiday out of it. <laughs> Do you remember that? Right. Primary school. That was history. That was geography. <laughs> geography, right. Um, he took geography. I didn't. Yeah, um, I mean, we did um, what we did English and art, and we were in the form class every year. Commerce, where I nearly set myself alight, or he nearly set me alight, or something. Our listeners and myself, obviously, we've, we're really fascinated by Carl Pugerton as, as a character. I was just wondering, like, how much of his character? Obviously, you've known him as he's grown up, and um, I wondered how much has he changed? Like you mentioned, like obviously he becomes probably he's probably become a bit more self-aware, I suppose, and obviously working in the media, you've got that media training. I just wondered how much of the the persona that we know of him, because we're we're obviously not friends with him, though I'd love to be friends with him. Um, he he <laughs> is pretty much that person, except I would say that probably at the time when he started to travel with Warwick I felt that he had become very aware of the persona that people expect him to put on Mm. so I think he became aware of it at that point that and he was able to turn it on a little bit more than just by being himself he was just able to switch it on a little bit more so I think he is like that but he just he's able to turn it up and a little bit if he wants to exaggerate slightly yeah exactly yeah I mean you know with all that stuff as well with the idiot abroad stuff I remember the time you know I used to go to London and hang out and stuff and uh, I know he had a hard time over that stuff Mm. Um, it was it was quite funny but like coming back and he was just covered in bites and (laughs) seeing it like he was just like oh my dad's pissed off with me doesn't want me to do it anymore and he's, he's been in Africa he nearly broken his back jumping off that thing <laughs> that he jumped off yeah I mean he still yeah. today so struggles funny. he still today struggles with that he's got a bad back now and he has to wear a brace because he's jumped off like a step oh yeah like, it's one step he doesn't even do it from the top does he he comes right down to do it like, right. but he's always so, he's always had like a kind of an older man's mindset though hasn't he he's always totally I, yeah I I do often tell him to slow down because he just acts like he's retired and uh, I'm like whoa whoa you know like we're not there yet so yeah he is he's got an older head on him um you know like he likes a cup of tea with his chips and his fish or whatever and oh, you know things like that little things that just seem to come from like another time almost <laughs> I love um, it. I love it. But Carl always seems the sort of person who would be more comfortable in a time time gone by, you know, years yonder, sort of like he's not he's I can't see him sort of engaging very much with the modern world. It's certainly if Ricky hadn't no. forced him to do all those things and gone to other places, he would not have left Britain probably. He, he does have that mentality a little bit still in that he doesn't really want to, like, if we go and have a game of golf, mm. I mean, he just wants to play the same golf course, I mean, every week. And I say, Carl, this golf course is shit. I mean, it's that <laughs> bad. Carl had to play a shot over a burnt-out car on the fourth <laughs> hole 
once that had been robbed that had been robbed it was upside down and it was still hot and it was in the middle of the golf course and Carl just played a chip over it it was hilarious (laughs) That's quite talented. Skip over it. <laughs> I've got a clip actually. I'll share it with you. I bet. I bet even that didn't phase him though. The sort of stories up north. He was like, oh, makes sense. Yeah. No. Going out of the golf course. Yeah. So course, yeah, he perhaps. does like to do pretty much the same thing over and over again, and he sees it as mastering something, which you know you can kind of agree with. And then there's, you know, the times when I've taken him to a golf course, he's like, oh, I'm sick of this, and then he'll play really badly and he'll try and ruin my game or drive the golf buggy into a post or just like it's quite funny to watch but it's uh it's just because he likes the things he likes and that's it you know (laughs) very very particular about yeah what he does and doesn't do which is so funny to think that he's been to probably more countries than most people in the world because of uh idiot abroad you know yeah he's done all this stuff he didn't want to do like most people would love to have that chance but for carl it's like what's for tea you know know, i don't think he cooks so you're right and that is the question he would ask yeah tea. i mean uh he was telling me that he remembers when he got the idiot abroad gig he was putting up some curtains around his mate's house and the phone call went and said you've got this thing when you go around the world and he was just ecstatic and you know really happy and i said what did you celebrate did you go out did you get some champagne and he's like no i just went in and got like some fish and chips and you know so yeah bringing it down so what's yeah. the time he was excited about getting that gig because he always moans about how yeah. much he didn't want to do it the, the idea of it was probably slightly different to what it ended up like i, I mean, think ricky and steve probably yeah. pitched it to him without the details about how he would be like abused in each yeah. country and all the things they'll do to him, I imagine. Yeah, I mean, it was lucky that, you know, in a sense, when when me and Carl, about 2004, started animating prior to Idiot Abroad and all that kind of thing, he was at XFM and he was working with Ricky and Steve on the on the, on the thing they were doing. And then um, we, we wanted to try animation, so we did this animation called Cat Mop, which was probably talked about on the XFM shows where... Mm-hmm. Carl makes up these inventions and I would animate them anyway. So we put that to an agency and he, we were interviewed kind of thing by Russell Brand in a room and Carl got signed pretty much there and then by oh, Russell right. Brand. So, really? Yeah, in 2005, I think. So that was the idea that we'd get these animations out there and we would get on TV. So uh, he got signed and Russell said, you know, I don't think Laurie wants to be signed. And I was like, no, I don't. I'm not a comedian, but I can work with yeah. you guys, kind of thing. So yeah. then, Carl, then me and Carl got offered uh, Bo Selector, Bo Selector gig. So Carl wanted to do that kind of thing with me, and we got seven animations. We got kind of like asked to do with Lee Francis, and um, oh. we only did one because me and Carl got sick of it, and then Carl wanted out, and he's like, "I'm sick of this," you know. Yeah, sick so of got sick of it quite quickly. And well, then, it's something um, new. He didn't like it because it's not like having fish and chips for tea and it's like a new gig. He had so much on probably and it was just another yeah. headache for him. So then we'd say, well, we'll do something else. And we came up with this idea, which kind of ended up as the Ricky Gervais show. So mm. Ricky wanted to do talking in a room and then do the same idea we had as we kind of zoom off into Carl's head and whatever he's thinking. And that's the thing we worked on for a little bit. And in between that, I do stuff on the culture show with Carl. Mm. And then I 
worked with Ricky on the extras thing. I did some animation for Ricky on extras. Yeah, and then they wanted to go big. And unfortunately, you know, a one-man band can't really do an HBO, you know, Ricky Gervais show. So I kind of, me and Carl put um, a pitch together to make it look like Paddington Bear, which is a very kind of Kyle style show. And it, it was quite sweet and it was quite funny and uh, and it was nostalgic at the same time. It was good. Um, it took about two weeks to do. And I remember having, because it was quite a small set and you had to cut everything out, we had all these kind of, I had to buy all these little tiny pots and pans for the set. And uh, I got them off eBay. And the woman who I bought them was giving me so much hassle about me letting her have feedback. She wanted all this feedback what? all the time about how good a little sort of pans and Carl's like asking me how it's getting on. I saying, you know, I'm getting stressed out here by this this uh, woman on eBay. She wants feedback. He says, look, I'll take care of that. So he says about this feedback to this woman saying, do not buy from a pots and pans. They're not real size. Oh, really. <laughs> do you still have that available? The Paddington Bear stuff? Um, it might be knocking about somewhere on one of my drives. It was, um, the test was... Um, we use the audio from the fridge. I don't know if you've ever seen the fridge. I love that video. Because around about the time I filmed a couple of those ones, which was the one of him in the zoo, the um, museum. Oh, you well filmed as... that? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what is it, um, Laurie, what, what is it like sort of obviously being friends and but then sort of creatively collaborating? That's a completely different style of relationship and I I just wondered what how that sort of worked. What is he like to work with? Who sort how do you get on with like the idea generation? Um and the, the execution. Is he quite a perfectionist? He obviously seems quite a perfectionist and someone yeah. who's very much like an auteur of his own work. Yeah. He can go anywhere to get anything he wants. There was a time a while back when I was asked to do music for moaning of life and stuff and we'd work together on that and creating just ideas which never really went anywhere, like 30, 40 tracks. Hmm. after um i can't remember his name he did the music in the end um oh, but anyway uh, vic sharma vic sharma vic sharma yeah vic sharma did it and then um we tried doing music for sick of it but the majority of the time you know it's animation and the way we work together is really quite loose you know i'll just get a message off him saying you know what would I look like if I was a spy or something like that? And I go, what are you talking about? And I was just ignoring for about a week or two weeks. Yeah. And then he'll bring it up again and then he'll give me more of an insight of what he's thinking. And then I'll try to draw it and I'll probably do several executions and maybe throw in some pictures that I've seen on the net of of people with round heads or whatever. And then uh, he'll, he'll go, <laughs> He'll go, yeah, I like that, or he won't say anything on, or he'll just, he'll choose, he'll pick and pull from things, and then he'll finally say, I've not seen that before like that. Well, he'll have a good reason for why he likes a certain art direction style. And then from there, I will say, record me some audio. And then he'll usually pick up on a subject that's rattling around in his head or a number of subjects, and he'll just record it in his house on his phone. That was the last gig anyway. That was the last thing that we did. He's, he's incredibly creative. And we talk about his intelligence and he talked about it on the show. And Ricky talks about it and it's always put down. But really, he Carl has a lot of hidden intelligence. And I can imagine that 
as an animator working with him with someone so creative because he is very creative just thinking oh yeah what would I look like as a spy and most people don't say that or think that in their head but yeah it must be quite rewarding I guess just from a being an animator because I guess you are also quite creative it's a very creative profession sort of you fit together quite nicely in yeah that. we've got similar sense of humor in a way although mine's a little bit darker and sometimes he has to kind of like rein that back and say look if you put that in there you will get killed or something you know yeah. <laughs> or just leave that out or just take that out like you've gone a bit too far or I'll try things that are a little bit edgy and maybe I'll rein them in a little bit because he's a lot more smarter maybe with what you can and what you can't do but yeah it is good creative relationship that I've got with Carl He's a little bit frustrating in that he's not very tech savvy. He doesn't no. like new things like, I don't know, Twitch or new platforms. No, I can He doesn't like me using the word uh, functions, TikTok. for instance. <laughs> I can yeah, relate, I, actually. <laughs> you know, when I say functions, he'll go, oh, here we go. You know, and, and you know, I, <laughs> no matter how much I explain things to him, there's a, there's a limit to what he's prepared to listen to about what I'm trying to say so I've got to keep it quite like loose and um, mm. kind of playful and not too heavy with Carl I try and keep it light and um, we just try to do the best work that we can when we work together the last bit of work that we did he was very happy with uh, he, he was Some really the happy with radio it. stuff yeah he wanted to go back to a kind of you know radio type thing and we wanted to get it away with, I don't know, a new platform like Spotify or something. But then yeah. COVID, COVID just took out advertising yeah. budgets completely. And, um, you know, nowadays, because these television um, appearances, it would seem that a lot of sponsorship and things like that would really prefer to have his actual face appearing. So it didn't really lend its work, you know, itself too well to the industry that that particular job but you know we can't foresee everything some things are a success and some things aren't yeah. and a lot of time they're not <laughs> it's, it's funny though because he's obviously quite a technically kind of savvy person because you know working in a being head of production at xfm as you know coming up with like mm. jingles and like trails yeah. and stuff like it's quite a it's a technically demanding job you there's a lot have to buttons. have a certain level of expertise there's a lot of buttons you've got to know which every button does yeah yeah he did enjoy that he, although towards the end even though he's head of production i think he just used to lock himself in the room and just sound bites and jingles i don't think he even wanted to do he just was like oh, what's this shit you know i think that's what yeah. made it so good was that he didn't want to, he wasn't seeking it he wasn't seeking fame he wasn't seeking kind of success in that sense as a presenter and i i think that's what makes it so kind of real yeah. and down to earth as a show I, it seems a weird question to ask you but i wanted to ask like what has he ever like disclosed and do feel free to say as much or as little as you want <laughs> but what is his um does he ever talk about his like relationship with Ricky and Steve and yeah how does yeah. he obviously yeah. they do so much together yeah so there's a there's an often a thing knocking about about Ricky falling out with Carl and all the rest of it but the thing you need to understand about the creative industry is that if you're not from mates from a long time ago you work with each other and then that's pretty much it on yeah. radio, on TV, you will seem like best mates. If you're in comedy, you'll look like even more best mates because you're laughing off one another. But when Ricky did his Brent tour with the music, 
mm-hmm. at that point, Ricky was getting into music. Now, Carl, he didn't want to do that. So that's at the point where they stopped working with each other. So that would also be the point of where they would have seen each other less. They maybe would have talked to each other less. But ultimately, they're not falling out. Don't work with each other. And Ricky is like yeah. seriously busy guy. I mean, I don't know how he does what he does. But um, no, he still sees Steve Merchant when he comes over. If Steve's Just... over, then Carl will see Steve. Yeah. That's nice to know. I don't know why that's quite comforting. I'm glad. I don't think Carl sees or speaks to Ricky that much. They're just because of Ricky's schedule. Yeah, he's just so busy and stuff. But no, you know, they're still mates and that. I think that you know, if they work together, I don't think what they did back then it would work today in the sense that no. I don't think it would have the same kind of dynamic. But there might mm. be some stories there that Carl could tell, and it would still seem funny. But Carl, you know, Ricky just laying into him every 10 seconds. Would it work? I don't know. I don't know. No, I don't know. <laughs> we this on our show quite a bit, actually. Would it work now? Because quite a few of the fans of the show who listen to our show say they'd wish that they would all get into a room together again. But I don't know. I, I don't think... I think it's that's that's in the past and that's done. It's had its time. It, and I agree with you. It wouldn't kind of work now. Now they've all got public profiles. But back then when yeah. they were far less famous, all of them, far less successful. It was kind of, it was more raw, it wouldn't be. I think it would be a bit too polished now. Yeah, possibly, yeah. It would seem a bit more contrived, possibly. Mm. And people would be expecting maybe something that they might not be able to give. So, yeah, it, it could be. Yeah, that might be right. Talk, talking about that, in the, obviously, how he was on the radio and, and how he is now, does it ever surprise you his level of popularity and as Carl sort of is he surprised by the level of popularity that he's like gathered because I've yeah. heard him talk about you know the XFM show he can't believe that people still listen to the shows and he's but he's talked quite you know really warmly about them what's yeah popularity yeah, I mean he never really talked about you know the life that he leads now that much because I know enough about it, but to kind of, I can see it in him. He's had to live with it. And, you know, for years and years now, it's almost like we have a kind of a behaviour that we have to do when we're out. So if we go for a meal, Carl will just like march off in front of me and he will find a spot that is most secluded. So his back's away from everyone. He'll sit down. And I'll have to bring in the menu and then I'll go to the bar or whatever and order and stuff like that. So there is a kind of routine and there's things because we know that the, that the popularity is there and sometimes it attracts the right loons. I mean, I've seen where, you know, headlocks and taking you pictures, joking. you know, like, you know, yeah, going, ah, mate, and just like... Because Ricky going. did it. They think it's okay. They think he, they exactly. can just squeeze his head as well. Yeah, I, and I've seen that. I mean, I've seen it where... Was a screening for um, sick of it? There was this guy who um, had some kind of a disability that Carl had given free access to the screening, and he came with his mum. He just kept saying to Carl, "You've got an like fucking orange or something like that." And he was like, oh, "Fuck off, you cheeky twat!" And then he just kept laying it on to Carl. And I say that's because they think because they've done it to you before that they can do it now. And um, yeah, I mean, uh, but then again, people are very nice to him. Like when we go for golf or out for drinks and stuff like that, or a meal, people know him and, and, and they're just nice to him. Ninety percent of the time, ninety-nine percent mm. of the time, really. So being that popular and have people be that nice to you is. It's quite. It, it, must, it must be quite nice, but I don't think he's that, he's that asked about it, really. <laughs> he 
he's, he's, do you know who that would delight? Ricky Gervais, the fact that people come up and give him headlocks and sort of squeeze his head. Because Ricky always said he wanted, that's what he wanted. He wanted Carl to never be able to go anywhere without someone squeezing his head and saying he looks like a fucking orange. I mean, walking through London at Christmas used to be a nightmare for him. I know that. I mean, I've walked through London with him once at Christmas and people are like, ah, Carl, like a fucking orange. And then because they're all pissed like they're all pissed up at Christmas and all happy. They're just outside bars. Yeah. <laughs> you just got to cross the road. You got to cross the road. Otherwise, you know, you're just going to get in trouble. Um, have, have, but, you, have you ever squeezed Carl's head? Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I have. I have put him in a. I have put him in a naked chokehold. <laughs> which is just, which is something where you can put someone to sleep. <laughs> and, uh, we, Was that in we, Soho? No, that was that was on the golf course actually. We were talking about martial arts because I do Aikido, and I was trying to get him over, and he was like, "Yeah, but you know, I, I could hurt someone and all this." <laughs> and I was like, well, and he calls it um, Cardo, or he calls it IKEA. He doesn't call it Aikido. He always makes up some word. But I said, no, look, honestly, you can do something really easy on someone. And I went behind him and I did this choke on him. He's like, ah! <laughs> the most ridiculous sound. Uh, yeah, I nearly knocked him out at one point. But, yeah. <laughs> have it, but uh, um, Laurie, Laurie, have you met Suzanne? That's such a... Yeah, this, this is going to sound weird to you. But in all my life, I have never met her. I have heard her. I've heard her voice over the phone probably mainly at Carl, but I've never, ever <laughs> met her. Because she's outside, I think that's one of the things that Carl likes to keep really on lockdown, yeah. is, yeah. is yeah. that, is her. I mean, I think she's met Ricky and all that, but, you know, I've not met her. I've, I've, I often, like, ask him, you know, but he's like, I just keep it there, just keep it there, leave it out, you know, kind of yeah. thing. So I think if, maybe if I lived near him, you yeah. know, and we went out, then maybe he'd bring her or whatever, but um I've, I've not lived near enough to socialize in that way i think it's really nice that um because i remember in one story carl was talking about um you know having to walk really really fast because ricky was chasing him trying to find out person it's lovely that yeah. people can maintain that level of privacy particularly in this era now where everyone wants to to know your name and your and everyone's you know, got camera about, everyone's can yeah, film anything at any moment but there's no everyone's pictures of suzanne out there and i think that's telling you know, yeah. good as to how he, you know, wants to keep that part of his life private. Yeah. And um, I think I did find a picture of him once online and I just put it to him and he just smiled. So I think I might know which looks like. Oh, maybe there's one. Uh, yeah, there is. Um, that, that, that is true about Ricky chasing him because I, I know that car used to live in a flat on um, Percy Street. Um, basically, literally, used to have a flat off uh, Great Titchfield Street, which is off Oxford Street right. in London. It was oh, wow. so central, it was ridiculous. Wow. Um, and that's really very well together. I know, yeah, if he kept that now, it'd be worth about 30 million. Yeah, probably. But yeah. I think, I think um, it was quite cheap, well, cheapish when he got it, but um, I used to go around there to meet him and we'd go for a drink or whatever. I tell you what, the pub opposite him, I remember going in there with him once and we got free beer. Really? really? We, we, yeah, we were like, oh, that, that's all right, isn't it? But then that was, <laughs> but then that was met afterwards it was spoiled a little bit when these 
blokes lobbed a fish head at someone over the street. Oh. <laughs> I don't know what was Not going cut. on there. We just did a slap like that, and I was like, oh, <laughs> someone just threw a fish head at that. Yeah, God. That is a typical <laughs> sort of thing that would happen to Carl, just in his yeah. world, like someone throws a fish head <laughs> at someone else. I'm sort of jealous this happens for Carl and not for me. That sounds like the best life ever. A lot of the time, we just walk around London and and I'd I'd force him to walk into shops with me to see what he would say. Like, I'd I'd say, let's go in this art shop. And and you know how art sometimes is a bit conceptual and it's like bits of, like, sweet wrappers and that. He would just say the most funniest things and I would just have to walk out of the shop because... I couldn't face this very posh person trying to sell this high-end art and Carl's talking about it like someone's nan's just popped it together and popped it in the window. And that's like, right, I'm out of the car, I can't take this. Sorry, I digress, I've gone off a bit there. No, that's fantastic. Your digressions are great, honestly, it's very interesting. Um, I mean, do you, you find Carl, like, it's, it's an obvious question, when, when Carl was at school, when you were at school with him, was he funny then? Did you, did you, sort of detect a funniness in him and that is kind of you can still see today or is it entirely kind of as he became more aware of himself he became funnier he was like that at school he's very um he was popular in a very small circle of people and Mm. wouldn't let any other people in really all the girls like oh did they really yeah yeah but he never went near he never had a i don't remember him going out with any of them he could have done yeah, um, but he used to have like hair like mine. We used to have like a flick, kind of kind of thing, and we'd just meet in class. And because he was quite funny, the reason why we were funny, I was talking to him about this the other day about why were we like that? Because we were just always making people laugh. And I think it was because one, we were very close friends to the cock of the school. So like the hardest lad in the school yeah. sit next to us in form. So if you made him laugh, there was a good chance you weren't going to get your head smacked yeah. or something coughed around. <laughs> you know, around head because it was likely that if you saw him in the day, walking down the corridor, he just beat you up. Like, you know, so if we, if we knew him and made him laugh, then there was a good chance he'd be all right with us and if we're, we'd be protected kind of thing. So there was an yeah. element of that at school. But then, like, Carl had quite, you know, he had brothers and sisters, so, you know, and they were older than him. He kept his humour. And um, it was a good thing for him, really, because, you know, it's quite hectic family life. But, yeah, he's still pretty much... He was funny at school. The teachers found him funny. The girls found him funny. Yeah. And he used humour to not get his head kicked in on occasion. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it worked out for him, really. I mean, he doesn't, you notice, like, a lot of the times when Ricky Gervais has a go at him on the XFM podcast, he doesn't retaliate straight away. He uses humour yeah. to get out of an awkward yeah, situation where, where Ricky, you know, some people might react quite badly to that, you know, being called an absolute moron, you know, mm. quite seriously. You'd snap, yeah. wouldn't you, if that was like... A, if it was I, would, yeah. I would... So, you know... He's able to, after a lot of experience, just shrug that off and just come back with a little bit of humour. You know, he was always like that, you know, since a kid, really. And does he still do that today, like, just day-to-day when it's not on air? Is that kind of how he reacts to being insulted? Or, you know, does he use humour in that way in his actual life? Yeah, but he does it a little bit more to get back at you. Like, say, for instance, you know, I was to piss out of him about something. 
then he would turn it on me and make it funny. So, you know, mm. he'd have an exact, he's very good at remembering what things people have done, what their names are, how they behave and things like that. So he's able to use them humorously as a kind of weapon back. And it's, it's quite clever, but... It's terrifying. That is, it's great to have a memory like that. Obviously, a, a lot of our listeners, we're, we're kind of encapsulated in this bubble of like the radio shows between 2002 to 2005. And I think a lot of us, I don't know, I, I sometimes feel nostalgic about things. Does, does Carl ever feel sort of nostalgic about that time working at the radio or a particular time of his life? Yeah, he does. I mean, he likes the kind of more simplistic things in life in that he doesn't like hassle. And he often says that, you know, like I said to me recently, he puts a price on hassle where if you can pay someone to just not have hassle, he will do. And he doesn't care how much it is kind of thing. And And he does look back on things, the more simplistic life that he had maybe as yeah he looks upon it okay i guess i mean i think he does i think he was talking about when he gets older he might do a paper round yes um, I, I, ricky says that i think of one of the episodes like if i could if i could pay you 10 grand a week to do a paper round and it's on the m25 would you do it it's a simple life you know paper round delivering papers perfect for carl I mean, I ended up getting his paper round. I, in, I inherited it. He, he had the best one. And he was on a, these flats called Round, I think they were called Round Thorn Court. And it was a big, big set of flats. And, um, you know, you got there quite early in the morning and you had to use the buzzer to, to wake up people to, to let you in. It was a bit awkward because sometimes you, you know, you wouldn't want to press those buttons. You press them and you get some like, oh, I don't want you. Yeah. And then our mate from school, it was funny, I heard a rumour and I said to Carl, you know Peter Woods, well apparently he was caught taking his shit off the top of those flats. And I said the police caught him and, 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 and Carl said, how did he get caught? Was he reading a fucking paper? <laughs> you know, so, so, but you know, that's, that's strange. So you, you might need to edit that out. It's a bit. No. <laughs> on that, on the fact we, you know, he'd love to do a paper round in some ways again. Do you think if Carl could press a button and have had none of the, not not have had Ricky Gervais walk in to that show at that time? and have had none of the things that have happened to him since, but still now he has his cup of tea, he has his fish and chips, he just has a very simple life. Do you think he would swap that back, or do you think he's actually secretly quite likes what's happened? I think he likes what's happened. He talks with great fondness about what he calls, quote, his travels. That's, that's, That's the way he puts it. He doesn't talk about when I was doing... I mean, he does say the occasional... The idiot, you know what I mean? The idiot. Mm-hmm. But he, he talks about it like his travels. And more than often, you know, recently he's been talking about it like it's so long ago. And he just brings yeah. it up so long ago. And um, yeah. people was. still talk about it like it was yesterday and stuff like that. And he was, if people come up to him, he's going, what are you listening to that for? It was 10 years ago. It was 15 years ago or whatever. He, he does want to just always kind of move on to the, the mm. next thing to try and make something work. I think he's very interested now. Well, he has been, yet shown himself to actually happen. So he really wants to be an actor, I think. Oh, wow. He doesn't, he, he doesn't care if he gets 
10 quid for it. I was going to say, Shane Meadows gave him like a blinding review for Sick of It, saying that he would love to work with him. And you can so see him fitting into that universe of the Shane Meadows, that sort of grim up northness kind of. Um, oh, absolutely. I think it looks great, great like, realism. Yeah. Like, kind of like, I imagine him in something like a Kez or something, yeah. you know, done yeah. by Shane Meadows. I think he'd love that. I mean, I don't know if he could pull that off, but. Um, <laughs> I think yeah. he could. Kez 2021, the remake, starring <laughs> Carl Pilkington. No, but Ricky does say, and he says, he, he Ricky jokes about Carl quite a lot on on air and obviously takes the piss. But one thing Ricky does say on the X-Fem shows is, actually, Carl, I genuinely think you'd make a, a good actor. And there's these little bits Carl puts together, he puts himself in a film. And he's only, like, you know, 10, 20 seconds long. And it's not mm. proper acting, but it's, you can tell during the listening to those clips that actually he is genuinely a good actor he's able to kind of portray something that is that is not reality quite well so i can understand I'm, but i didn't know he was so interested like that that's what he would love to do more than anything else yeah i think so i mean he's not very good with lines he's got a short-term memory so he has to write the lines in front mm. of him and he has to look at them browsing and then he'll generally speak what he thinks is there yeah, I mean, when I went to the screening of the sick of it, I mm. thought the scene of Carl where he was talking to the doctor mm. um, was very good. There was a good big close up of Carl's face, so he couldn't get away with bad acting. Mm. Like, literally couldn't get away with it. And I just thought he performed really well. And I told him, I thought that was brilliant. I said, You can act now. I mean, <laughs> he, he can act when he wants to. So I don't see him. You know, not having a problem with it. It's just his lines he needs to remember. <laughs> yeah. But, so yeah. real though, isn't he? So such such a real, like natural performing. Like that that's why I think he'd fit so well in that world, because that social realist kind mm. of Ken Loach world, like he's so and the way he, he talks he can about convince you of something very he can convince you what he's saying is true very well, I think. That comes across on the, the X Fem shows and also sick of it. Yeah, absolutely. I think at the moment there there's more of a, a call for, I mean, this is me and Carl speaking, there was more of a call for animation than there was actually live stuff because of the times that we're in at the moment yeah. with COVID and what have you. Yeah, you're saying that, you know, friends of his that were making films and stuff, they were just saying it's like a a surgery you know every you know the actors have got to stay with each other for a certain period of time or stay in a bubble and then they can come together to do the scene and then they're socially distancing it's just like a so it's clinical it's, it's not even enjoyable for the no. people making the films yeah so till this stuff stops then maybe it might pick up for the acting industry in that sense you know Mm. Um, has that been just again. personally for you good as good for you as an animator during this time has it kind of have you find work sort of flourishing at the moment or? yeah i mean i do i'm always doing stuff yeah constantly working on animations branding companies and all kinds of stuff so it's not mm. let off for me um so that's good yeah kyle can pick and choose what he does i've read stories of you know him getting huge deals that he can just sort mm. out in a couple of days i can imagine yeah and like they are huge sponsorship deals and he just goes nah you're right and he just leaves it because it's not what he wants it's such to do, integrity it. though oh yeah but you, you know i've thought about it it's, it is yeah it, it is in the sense of 
it could ruin his brand. It could ruin his image, you know. We'll so, give him a million pounds or whatever, but he chooses. <laughs> he chooses the. He chooses kind of his realism. Yeah. He, so money and that kind of thing, he's, he's not really interested in going down there and doing that. So good for him, kind of thing, you know. With me, I'll be like, give it here, I'll have it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. I know, I'd like a slice of that pie, please. Please, um, Laurie, we've kept you. I don't. I don't know. Um, I don't want to keep you too long we've had you for an hour now it's been fascinating Mars I don't know if there's anything else you want to ask I, or you... I was gonna no, I ha- absolutely have to wrap up thank you so much Laura I've really honestly, I've really yeah. enjoyed this chat this has been one of the most this has been the, my highlight of my week at last to, as a sort of end though I wanted to sort of ask you what is the appeal do you think for Carl for so many people who are people people who listen to this podcast or who who still religiously listen to the XFM podcast what is it about the sort of Carl Pilkerton character that keeps that passion alive like why has he maintained such sort of longevity in people's memories yeah um I think first of all a lot of people can relate to his kind of thinking although it's not always as straightforward as some of the answers that we might relate to they're, they're often quite obscure but I think we can relate to his thinking and the way he um, he sees the world. And sometimes he does see the world in quite a kind of like childlike, mm. unmessed with view, you know. So I think there's that. I think humour is is a great thing. And um, if, people, if people laugh at what you're trying to say and what you're trying to get across. And um, sometimes he's not even trying to be funny. And he's funny. So... <laughs> You know that that's always a good thing, also. But why? But why does? But why does he stick in people's heads still and says that? I don't really know. There's it's kind of a mystery, really, to me. Why some people with comedy, it's usually kind of short-lived, mm. and he's not really a comedian. He's just no. A, no. a character or a personality, if you like. So he still seems to, you know, attract people that like what he does um yeah and in particular the animation that we recently did people just loved it they wanted more of it throughout mm-hmm. lockdown and and onwards and maybe we will do more and that he can write more I stories hope so. for people. i hope you do certainly hope you do more experienced stuff we may do we may do um do uh, it uh, on, yeah. <laughs> we want more um, one more like tiny little thing. Sorry, I'm so excited yeah. right now. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, this is really happy. You're the, the 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 bit where a lot of people know you and your your name from was um from the creepy house where you stayed with the used condom and the dead flies. Yeah, and... yeah, that's right. So so around that time, me and Carl were shooting the Four Minute Wonders for Channel Four, which yeah. are the things that like the fridge and stuff. And yeah. then um, I found this spooky house. Well, I asked my girlfriend at the time, I was living in Swindon, let's find a cheap property <laughs> to rent. And she said, I found this mansion. <laughs> and it's like, it's like got 126 rooms, right? We're guardians for it. It's empty. What? And it's £100 a month. And I was what? like, right. So you can, you, can, you can search it. It's called Tottenham House. And it's in Savanac Forest in the middle okay. of uh, it's like the second largest privately owned uh forest in europe oh, wow. and, and it's huge anyway so the the driveway is like a mile long it's meant to get it and then carl comes around he's like what the fuck is going on here so we just go around and stuff like that 
And uh, there was a deer park. We'd have barbecue. Me and Carl had have barbecues in the deer park with with the Viscount, which was the Lord's son. And uh, the Viscount was just like, he's cool, you know. He's just really cool really? guy, and he was just like, yeah, man, let's go, and let's get a barbecue. And you'd see him about sometimes. <laughs> Doesn't sound like a Viscount. No, <laughs> he kind finished. of didn't act like one. Yeah, he didn't act like one to be honest. But and then uh, Carl said, you know, let's film this. Let's film this. And then we went in a few rooms and. He started finding the weirdest shit. And I was like, look, I don't really want to do this, Carl. And he's just like, no, no, let's go in here. Let's go in here. Yeah, and that's where he found these signs. There was these, yeah, there was some odd signs knocking about and lists about babies and stuff. And it oh, was like, that's, that's so creepy. It was just weird. And all these flies, there were so many flies. <laughs> and I think, I don't know if it was down to there were like dead rats in the floorboards or something. I mean... <laughs> I mean, he was sleeping in my room, and like there were, there, there were, uh, it was just mad. It was like flies knocking about, um, coming out the floorboards. Uh, it was just odd. And there was a horror film filmed in there <laughs> with like Trigger from Only Fools and Horses. Oh, really? I know. I don't, I've never heard. Of, it's a bit weird seeing Trigger in a horror film. On a budget like a, as well. It sounds yeah. like it's on a budget. <laughs> yeah. And there was this red splash over near where Carl's bed was. And he's always just like sniggering to myself. That's where that guy got his head chopped off or whatever. Radio, apparently Radiohead uh, recorded Rainbows, their album there. Oh, really? Then, really? Yeah, in the library. And then after it, they met up with Ricky Gervais at a concert. And they I said they to Ricky, that. they said to Ricky, we've been in that hotel. Sorry, we've been in that mansion where Carl found the flies and we've actually found the room and like Tom York. <laughs> Tom York, like, locating this room where we'd found these flies with a rubber Johnny. <laughs> so Tom York, he, he, he recorded <laughs> nude in the uh, in the dead fly room. Yeah, he could have done. He could have done, you know. The, the, yeah, it was a spooky, spooky house, and it was very big. Uh, and it's still there to this day. It's owned by a couple of um, millionaires now. They squabble over it and what they're going to. I mean, that could I, eat money, that place. You don't fancy going back there at all? Uh? I mean, no. I mean, it's probably still a wreck, I think. It's probably still a wreck. It's probably worse than what it was. I know the roof was leaking last time I had, but... Um, You're supposed to be caretaker for it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like called, I just looked after it. You know, you can see me on the video talking in the background, but I'm kind of just looking after it. I just locked the door, then occasionally yeah. you'll get some mentalist, like breaking the door and getting in and I'd go excuse me what are you doing there oh! and then they'd go off but, just um, lock the door remove the condoms from the yeah. box <laughs> and go to bed see you later and there he was that's Laurie I mean wow uh quite a guy um so it's such a so fascinating to get the insight into some one of the very few people in the world who kind of knows who knew Carl growing up knows him now is friends with him it was just it was a it was a pleasure and I think that um hopefully Laurie kind of enjoyed doing it as well and we we certainly did I know we've chatted since and you're a bit you're a bit hyper Miles yeah I am I have to apologise to everyone. I was laughing like an absolute gibbon. That was very, very insightful. That was that was great. I, I loved, I loved talking to Laurie, particularly those early, early anecdotes about, you know, growing up in Manchester and and the school days. And I hope that we've got something that um the listener can really sort of take away and get closer to, you know, Kawa and 
you know the xfm shows what what he was like it was it was it was a fantastic revelation yeah it was it was it was really good to get his insight i mean he started off with you know about the story of them getting climbing over the bakers and eating the cakes you know it's nice to hear those sort of stories confirmed you know not not that i i kind of doubted them but it's interesting that you know laurie was actually there when these stories mm-hmm. were happening laurie was there you know so it's it's really good to get laurie's take on it and he's a really nice guy like um we've done a few interviews now really i like laurie and uh well and i'll say on air and off air because we spoke to him off air as well very very nice guy yeah yeah yeah, and as miles says i hope you enjoyed it and got something from it and uh you know um we did our best with it we asked the questions we thought you know would would want to be asked we didn't plan it we don't plan these interviews really we don't kind of have a list of questions because we prefer the natural kind of you know flow of chat so yeah hopefully we did a good job well hopefully it was all right and yeah let, let us know online let us know tweet us all the usual ways yeah and you could do all of that by tweeting us at oh, spinners okay. podcast well, uh, Tweet us at tweet us at um, the the D uh, tweet library. Got to get it right, Gary, or on our email, which is spinnerspodcast at gmail.com. Hope you enjoyed the show, guys, and we'll see you again soon.